This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Millstone Manor Gingerbread Men Cookies. Using our delicious original recipe, our Millstone Manor cookies uses spicy ginger, caster sugar, real cream, fresh lean eggs, and just a touch of monosodium glutamate. Now featuring our special adult-themed cookies for hands nights. Currants not included. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello! Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Gladys. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Gladys. Hello, listeners. Hello, everyone. How are you all? I am doing quite well today. Uh, I feel like summer is starting to wind down, which is a little sad. <sighs> yes, but now we have pumpkin lattes to look forward to, right? Mm, so you say. So, um, did you hear uh, that we had a special guest uh, at the... I did. That does I did suit indeed, Mr. Compounds. Brandon. I did. I did. And that was very unusual for us. It was. Wasn't and it, different and usual. I like it. You know, unique. <laughs> yes. Uh, we were, um, were so excited to have a knock on the door, uh, not in the Three's Company way, but um, we had the lovely Joanne Haywood join us on the podcast. Thank you, Ms. Haywood. That was so Yay. much fun. Joanne, you're such a sweetheart for joining us. Um, we have had such a great reception on social media um, everyone loved the, the, the laughs we had. It was, it was really fun. I, I told a friend of mine that, you know, if, if we lived in the same place, we would go out for wine all the time. I could just tell, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so Ms. Ms. Uh, Joanne Haywood, thank you for joining us. That was a long flight all the way from, uh, London to, to Northern Mississippi. It was, and, and, and you know, she handled the jet lag quite well, especially because, you know, we had to put her in like economy coach. Well, I just wonder how many things did she buy at the Graceland gift shop. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, when you go to Graceland in Memphis, it's all full of British people. It's true. They're just, they can't get enough of Elvis. So I'm sure she had a great time there. And uh, the uh, Elvis Presley birthplace, basically it's, it's Elvis all the time in northern Mississippi. So, but anyway, that was lovely. And uh, we got a lot of great feedback from lots of people around the world. So uh, thanks for helping us kind of make a fun episode. So that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, as we start to wrap up this podcast, because, you know, <laughs> hi, we've only got about four episodes of the series left. Um, I think we're going to be peeling back the black curtain more and more. Pink. And pink it, curtain. Pink, sorry. Pink, thank you. And, we um, paid a lot of money for this curtain, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like a lot of Joanne Haywood's fans that might not have heard of our podcast before or yeah. are new to it. Um they think that we're actually located in northern Mississippi. I don't know why you're pretending think. we're not. Um, I don't understand. So, so if you're a new listener, that's a good point. So we, we're just we're just riffing here. We don't have a script, or we don't read from a script here. But if you are new to the podcast, what is the collective noun that we use, Mr. Jeff, for the listeners? We call you the unanimous. Yeah. So Lady Gaga has her little monsters or little critters or whatever it is. No. Um, I don't know. There's like all the celebrities have names like that. But if you listen to the podcast and you're a fan, you are the unanimous. So you might hear that on the podcast, the unanimous. So welcome to the unanimous unanimous. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
Just because our hotline is located in area code 662, which covers northern Mississippi, through the magic of podcasting, Brandon and I may or may not be located physically in northern Mississippi. But he did say we may be. So <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. So I also wanted to thank Joanne for, um, so, sorry, you know, we're, we're, we're Grace Brothers official, Ms. Haywood, Ms. Haywood. Um, for the lovely photos. So she sent us some photos that yeah, I think... Yeah, some BTS. Yeah, the, behind the scenes. She might... It might be exclusive content. I don't know. But um, in the interview she, she did with us, uh, like a conversation, a chat, I like to say, uh, she shared a really cool story about how she and the stuntman um, <laughs> got together and had to do the Kawasaki motorcycle, motorbike scene where mm-hmm. she rides around with Frank Thornton as Captain Peacock and very funny scene. And she talks a lot about it in the interview. So go and listen to it if you haven't heard it. But she mentioned like, I have some photos around here somewhere. Let me find them for you. That was me being Joanne. Um, (laughs) So she sent them to us and I'm kind of teasing them out on, on Twitter and Facebook. So there's a really cool photo of, um, of, of Joanne on a motorcycle with, with uh, Frank Thornton in the background and all the PAs and all the electrical cables and stuff you have when we were filming. Um, it's cool because there's not a lot of photos of the production of, of Grace and Favor, Are You Being Served Again? So that was pretty cool. And we have another one where you see Joanne Haywood and the stuntman, uh, mm-hmm. Roy Allen, um, who she mentions. Um, he had like a big, crazy, curly wig and like a black <laughs> leather jacket like she does. And, you know, we're supposed to not notice that he's kind of a big man <laughs> instead of like this rather petite lady. Uh, that he's trying to portray. So anyway, so thanks for the photos, and that's pretty fun, pretty cool. Yeah, photo. take that, Hello Magazine. We got an exclusive scoop yes, on a show exactly. that's forty years old. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I love it. So that was fun. So be checking Twitter and Facebook, and uh, in the future, and forty years from now, if you can go onto like an Internet Wayback Machine and then go back to see Twitter forty years ago, you can find them there. So yeah. future-proofing the podcast right there. <laughs> We also got a lovely email from Mr. Dirk all the way out in New Zealand. Yes. uh, Letting us know about how he uh, came to uh, get to know the show. And we're going to go into that a little bit more in a future episode where, um, you know, we we profess our love again for the listeners. So stay tuned for more from Mr. Dirk. Yeah, and I think Mr. Dirk might also win the prize for the furthest flung listener from our northern <laughs> Mississippi compound because New Zealand, that's, uh, that's quite far away, so that's good. The internet is amazing. And Mr. Jeff just mentioned that we've been having some feedback from the listeners about the community and, and the people they've kind of seen on the Facebook and the Twitter. And, um, you know, we talk about a funny uh, television show from 40, 50 years ago. But it's cool because you get to meet people and you see that there are other fans out there. And... Um, Mr. Dirk left a lovely kind of treatise, I would say, like uh, he, he could almost nail it onto the walls of a Catholic church in the Or Simpsons of Piccadilly, you know. Or something, yeah. But it was lovely. So um, we had the idea we're going to do kind of a, an episode where we maybe share our thoughts about the podcast, about are you being served, about making the podcast during COVID. And uh, so if you wanted to kind of send us some words about the community you found on the podcast or just sort of overarching stuff, there are only four episodes left, um, do it now, and we might be able to include it. So 
So that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, and if you'd like to give a special shout-out to the PBS station yes. where you started watching it, if you're the three-quarters of our audience who's Americans, go ahead and do that. And Mr. James did just that in a voicemail he left for us, so why don't we take a listen to what he has to say. Hey, Mr. Jeff and Mr. Brandon. This is Mr. James, the captain of the Grace Brothers table tennis team. I wanted to tell you how much I've loved this podcast. You know, I found it early in the pandemic, and it's really brought me a lot of joy over the last couple of years, especially in those early days when life was really tough. I don't have anybody in my life that appreciates the show the same way that I do, so it's been a real joy to be a part of this community that you guys have created. A lot like others, I started watching on PBS in the 90s on shout out to KCOS TV in El Paso, Texas, and have loved finding new jokes that I'd either never understood or never really realized I missed in the first place. Thank you guys so much for what you've done, but I must be off to my dinner. I'm having Uzo, Termasalata, and Gurunopolu. So I'll leave you with the final, you've all done very well, and I'll hope to hear from you again until the boys come home. Oh my God, Mr. James, thank you so much for the voicemail and uh, lovely thoughts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the nice things. Um, why am I salivating? Too. And what? great, great callback with the Taramasalada and the Gurunupalu. Like, I had forgotten about that beat because that's a couple of episodes. I want to adopt old. a dog and call him Moragulupalu or whatever, right? <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, he shout out the PBS station. So, it's cool if we Americans uh, go onto our Facebook and Twitter and send us a tweet or whatever and kind of give a shout out, tag the pbs station where you originally learned of are you being served for me it was aetn in arkansas what about you uh mine was channel 13 wnet in new york yeah so that's kind of cool so i'll post something on social about that here in the whenever i get around to it <laughs> yeah so I, I guess i you know for the 25 percent of our listeners who are not american um public television in the states is mostly educational, like it's Sesame Street, literally Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, yeah, yeah. in the daytime, and then in the evening, it's like the McNeil Lehrer News Hour and like oh, huh. British dramas. But in the '90s, it was like BBC, like comedy, Britcom served, Central, right? Um, keeping up appearances. Father Ted. As time goes by, Judy Dench. As time goes like, by, yeah, yeah, it was like four hours for like. For an, so an entire generation or two or three have been raised kind of every night watching PBS. This is also at a time where not everyone had cable TV, if you can believe mm-hmm. that. This was also before the internet. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. So thanks for that voicemail, Mr. James. Yeah, so please, everyone, wash your hands. Like, seriously, press pause and go wash your hands because <laughs> it's probably been a while. Yeah. And we all need to adopt better hygiene. You know, stay on top of what's happening with COVID, with monkeypox, and as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Yes, indeed, and you've all done very well. Good, good, good. So, Mr. Jeffrey, take us back. Let's get Why into it. Why the hell are they listening to us yammer on about a show that they adore? Uh, let's get into it. We're going to be talking about Series 2, Episode 2, The Cricket Match, which originally aired on January 11th, 1993. Mm-hmm. And that week in the news... At the top of the Billboard 100 and the UK singles chart, again, just like last week, was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. 
And spoiler alert, <gasps> for every single episode that's remaining in series two... Matt, don't, 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 don't leave them something wanting more, Jeff. Come on. Well, here's the thing, Mr. Brandon. No, we originally put, <laughs> we already put this segment in to give a little bit of a landmark for our listeners so they can yeah. remember, like, where they were in that point in time, like, what was popular on the radio and what was happening in the world. And this, I don't think this is really going to add anything because I will always love you. It's <laughs> it going to rule hit. the charts for the next six weeks. So, so let's do it. Let's maybe next episode we can do like the top song in South Africa or something. Uh, we can change it uh, up. Yeah, well, we'll probably talk about some other, t- you know, maybe top ten songs just to give a little bit of variety. In or there. like the bluegrass charts or something. You know, maybe <laughs> right, we'll find a really cool song. Because everyone pays attention to the bluegrass charts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are Americans in this in this episode, so you know. That's true. That's I have true. a so, I have a hot take about that, but I'm getting I'm getting a bit ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Oh, I do too, and uh, yes, and I, I'm hoping it's going to be the same one because we've picked up on similar things. Before. We haven't had anyway. a confab about this, so if, if we're thinking the same thing, that's going right. to be cool. It, so right, um, elsewhere in the news, Bill Wyman announced that he is leaving the Rolling Stones. Um, Santa Barbara, oh the God. daytime soap, aired its final episode on NBC after 10 years. That's probably why they named the city in California after the TV show. <laughs> after the TV show, of course. Yeah, it's a very important show. And then also on NBC, uh, they offered The Tonight Show to David Letterman. So I, I, as I was doing the research for this episode, I remembered mm-hmm. this was a big kerfuffle, right? Because Letterman was hosting The Late Night Show, which aired after Carson. And then Jay Leno was Carson's permanent guest host. So, like, whenever he'd, like, go take a week's vacation, Jay Leno would always be the one who filled in. Letterman didn't end up taking the gig. He ended up premiering a new show called The Late Show on CBS to go against The Tonight Show. And then Jay Leno took it. The old switcheroo. Right. And then there was that that period where Conan only did it for, like, a couple of months, and then Jay Leno came back. Oh my god, this the, the a, late night talk show wars, 90s. right? Right. It's hard to like say because for American TV, it seems, I mean, you see commercials about it, adverts all the time, um, even when you're not staying up that late to watch television. But man, it seems to loom very large. I wonder, I don't think there's a UK equivalent. I don't know. I can't think of anybody. But um, I mean, for us, for like, if you're not from the States, it just seems like, geez, are these, it's a silly TV show, but like, it just feels like a huge presence in our lives, right? Well, all right. What do the Brits watch at eleven thirty at night? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there is like. Um, What's the TV show well, where they watch people watching TV? Isn't that what they watch? Well, Gogglebox, Gogglebox. is Goggle, Gogglebox <laughs> isn't on that late. You know, well, I mean, it can, it can be in reruns, but like it it airs at like eight thirty or something like that. Okay. When Graham Norton is on. Saturday nights. I wish you know, Graham Norton not, would say he's a fan of our show and that he loves us because. That would be cool. He's yeah. very funny. If you have not seen it, it's on. Uh, he has a lot of presence on Facebook, uh, BBC America, BritBox. Is he on BritBox? I don't. I don't know for certain. Is, Brit, I, is BBC yeah, America even existing anymore? I don't know. Oh, they show Star Trek. Is all they show anymore? They don't show any sense. British shows. There's a British um, guy. So. Yeah, well, that might be it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there is an equivalent for late night TV. That, uh, well, that comes on unanimous, head, if you're looking for an excuse to send us an email or a voicemail or something, and you're from England, or Scotland, Wales, and Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland, for that matter, um, let us know if there's a equivalent late-night talk show Yeah, guy. let us know what you watch between 11.30 and 2. 
because that's important stuff. <laughs> but we're curious, and maybe other people are too. So okay, so let's get into the episode. What are we talking um, about? Oh, that's right. We actually, we actually, I think we fast forward in time a little bit because the with the last episode, the gun, there were no guests staying um, at the manor. So it's mm, not yeah. the next day. It has to be at least a week ahead of time after these guests have already stayed. I'm surprised you and haven't predicted Mr. it's a Thursday based on how long it would take people to book in 1993. And, da, 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 you know, it would be classic right. Jeff. <laughs> um, so it's a couple of days after the last episode, and Mr. Rumbled is bidding some guests farewell as they board the coach to Gatwick. Okay. He seems... He seems very much, you know, uh, to want to get them out of the manor quickly. He's like, goodbye, goodbye. Get here the hell go. out of here. Yeah. Get, get, get out. Um, and we get the American tour leader handing over the check. Yeah, I had a great time. It was swell, zany, throwing out all these 60s words. American words. That are, that are, you know, anachronistic for the 90s, but that's what British writers think Americans sound like. Except... That the American guy called it a coach, and that's not a word we use. We call, it's, it's always a bus. Whether is that or not your hot tip? That is my hot tip. Oh, no, I have but, a different hot tip. Okay. I teased it months ago. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. First of all, I just want to say before we get into the meat and potatoes of the, of the episode, I think this may be my favorite Grace and Favor episode. Like, really? I cackled six or seven times, and I was thinking, what a brilliant episode this is. Okay, first of all. My hot take of this, the very, like the second person who speaks in the episode after Mr. Rumbold's like, get the hell out of here. He walks down and he has this recognizable beard and this hat. He's kind of a short stature man. And he, uh, oh, it was great. It was swell. You know, I kept thinking of um, absolutely fabulous. Okay. That short guy who was married to the American woman, Bo. Bo's husband, Marshall. Marshall. So Marshall. Do you think Eddie's that's first the same husbands? actor? It is not the same it actor. Could be. You, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway. Because well, for, well, first of all, Marshall had a very, um, very thick English accent. Well, so did this actor trying to play an American. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, we're just go get the coach ready. You're absolutely ready on that. <laughs> uh, so he was so he was played by Leonard Lowe. And that is not the same actor okay, who, who well, played Marshall. Um, he was on. Um, he made, he was um, he was on a couple of episodes of Keeping Up Appearances. Uh, he was on Call Me Mister. He was on the Basil Brush Show. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know where you recognize him from, but it is not AbFab. <laughs> Damn. Oh well, I'm glad I didn't place any Good money try, on though. it. Oh, yeah, Good try though. Twenty bucks. Anyhow. <laughs> So, yes. Well, that's going to be better than what the staff got because they got barely any tips. You know, Mrs. Slocum Except Ms. Brown, some, but we'll find out soon. She only, Mrs. Mrs. Slocum only got some loose change and a couple of Greek drachma. Um, <laughs> which is a very dated think, joke because now everyone has a euro, right? Except the UK. Right. Yeah. right. Uh, Ms. Brahms got 50 quid by accident because she kept her mouth shut and didn't tell the guy it was a fiver. And, uh, Mr. Which can Rumble happen was, in another country because you don't know. You know what the money's worth, yeah. You know, uh, Mr. Rumble is quick to remind them that they're pooling their tips. <laughs> um, and uh, Miss Lovelock comes down and says she left her laundry in a suitcase at the bottom of the stairs, and it ended up on a coach to Gatwick. So we get her running after the bus trying to get her dirty laundry back. You mean our, our best friend, Joanne Haywood? <laughs> our friend best of the friend, podcast? Joanne Haywood. There yes, we go. Yes. Yes. 
Um, so even though they didn't get tipped a lot, they're not complaining because the amount they paid for the holiday is actually working out to be a pretty tidy sum. Uh, they paid 1,700 pounds for their holiday, right? Right. And so I counted that there were six of them, including Mr. Lubitsch, okay. the head. So for six of them, that would have been 285 pounds each, which comes out to 550 pounds today or $645 today. So for a week's stay in a manor, that's about right because you'll certainly spend more too... than that. Yeah, um, you'll certainly spend more than that at the Holiday Inn or you know Hyatt Regency or. What it would be interesting you. to see you go to Cavendish. No, not Cavendish House. What's the name of the house? Chavinich. Chavinich. It would be cool to go to the website. Maybe one of our fans can do this um, and like see how much it would cost to stay for like six six nights there. I don't know if it's a hotel right now. It might just be for events. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think they got anyway, a pretty good deal. Yeah, they're, they're figuring out that, you know, they might not need to um, hire staff. If they just muck in for the few times that they have guests, they get to keep all the money themselves. That's and what they're I also, would do. They're, they're starting to, they're starting to um, buy into that. Um, anyway, they're, they're, they're gasping for a cuppa. They're going to go see <laughs> if uh, Mavis has put the kettle on. You know, Americans give me quite a thirst, says Mrs. Slocum. Well, they always used to. They always used to, anyway. <laughs> and then she gives that fabulous Mrs. Slocum, Molly Sugden look, um, kind of like thinking about how young she used to be and then being disappointed that she isn't yes. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And that's the thing, what I love about this episode is that Molly Sugden really knocks it out of the park. She pulls a lot of good faces Oh, my in this gosh. Yeah. yeah, it's such a good episode. Yeah. And it's cool because, uh, like, in the interview, in the chat we had with um, uh, Joanne Haywood, she said that, you know, Molly Sugden did all of her own stunts, you know? She, like in this scene when, um, uh, hang the bird in the cellar in the courtroom uh, And she episode. had to faint. And she yeah. faints and she, like, boom. Like, she didn't like, brace herself with her arm. No, she, she went there all the way and she completely collapsed and everyone raced to see, are you okay, Molly? And she's, like, just laughing. So <laughs> she's so fabulous. Love her. Yeah. Miss um, Littlewood, the lady magistrate, is calling outside. So back to that episode with the court case, mm. remember there was the three magistrates, and we had a little bit of an inkling back then that it, it was? There, was something, there was something a little curious about Miss Littlewood. An inkling. <laughs> right. Sorry, how to do that. Um, she's calling outside. She's yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, <laughs> rather than like knocking on a door. Well, oh no, no, we, we get the joke that she tried to ring the bell, but the cord came off in her hand. <laughs> a little bit so of Grace Brothers just, humor there. She's just screaming up yoo-hoo, right? She finally lets herself inside and she sits at the table with them and pulls up right next to Miss Brock mm-hmm. and tries to like chat her up. And, yeah. you know, uh, Wendy Richard here is doing a pretty good job going face for face with Molly Sugden because she's pulling some, you know, she's definitely, definitely miming and mimicking uncomfortableness. Yeah. But I think this is the first time in all of Are You Being Served, Grace and Favor canon that we have had lady lesbian gay, lady gay stuff. It's always been Mr. Humphreys. It's always been like with, with, uh, with this, I have high hopes, you know, like I can't afford right. that. It's all been gay guy jokes, but now it's like, you know, lesbian joke. So I don't know what that means, but it was, it's the first, right? Pro- progress question mark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they start talking about their eyesight and uh, Miss Brom says, well, you know, I'm better further away than closer to. 
To oh which God. Miss Littlewood responds, well, I'm the other way. Great <laughs> joke. Mr. Humphreys comes up. <laughs> only to be topped by, I'm in between, bifocals. <laughs> bifocals. <laughs> this is the first time I cackled. Um, oh, my God. The fact that, like, the, the writers knew that, okay, this is the perfect thing for Mr. Humphreys. And now we're going to have a woman do it as well. I'm the other right. way. Of course, like, when you're 12 years old watching this for the first time for me, I don't know what the other way means. But then when Mr. Right. Humphrey walks in and says, I'm in between, bifocals, oh, they're talking about being gay. Okay, because it's Mr. <laughs> Humphreys. Right. <laughs> so cute. Love it. And... And we get to the plot, probably the earliest that we ever have. Oh my even God, earlier you're than so last happy. Week. I'm so happy. Miss <laughs> um, Littlebit is asking for the use of the lawn as a cricket pitch because okay. there, there's an annual tradition that the town, the people of the town play the people of the manor in an annual cricket match. And she's asking uh, for permission uh, for them to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so Millstone Manor can make up a team of eight just the, with them as they are. But it's usually a team of 11. Like, if you're playing professional cricket, there are 11 people on a team. And I don't know Hold if... on. Is this our moment of butch? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. Men's what are we wear. supposed to do? It's like a, we say something? I don't recall. Menswear. Menswear. Moment of butch. Okay. So I don't know if, like, amateur pickup games, if you're allowed to have less than 11, like... A professional basketball game would have five, but if you're playing pickup basketball, it's usually three on three, right? I have so, no idea. So they're trying to. So they they know that they need to make it up. So we well no because we do eventually get introduced to those three farmhands. So I guess they are trying to make a team of eleven eventually. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's start talking about cricket because I think that we're going to be able to have this conversation very quickly because I'm talking very about Jiminy Cricket about it. who wishes upon a star and you know. <laughs> So from what I understand of the game, it is, um, it's a very lengthy game. You know, it's not like baseball where there are a set nine innings, in, you know, or uh, soccer that is timed 90 minutes per half or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm very impressed half, so far, by me, the way. Right? Uh, it, it can take place over a matter of days, depending on how long you actually take to get through all of the innings and all of the overs, which are the subcomponents of a game. Okay. Um, I don't know. I can't remember how many innings there are, but I know that there are 50 overs, and I think you get six pitches in an over. So that's 300 attempts to hit the ball. That's a lot. That's a lot, right? That's not going to be... Because if you think about baseball, you have a minimum of like nine times... Three times three, 81. Those are all a lot of numbers. <laughs> um, and so the idea is, you know, a ball is thrown to you um, overhand, but closer to the ground at like a, a distance of 22 meters. So like about 65 yards, 65 feet maybe. Uh, sure. What is the point of, okay, I'm going to help myself because I'm already lost. What is the point of cricket? What is the goal? So you want to hit the ball, and then you and the other runner want to cross paths and touch your bat to the wicket, to, to, the, to the, the crease, the area that's painted in white, mm-hmm. as many times as you can until the outfielders can return the ball back to the bowler. 
So that sounds a little bit like baseball. Like I hit the a baseball with my bat, and then the people run the bases. But instead of running a diamond, they just cross paths running back and forth. This road back and forth in okay. between the creases, right. What about the little funny sticks and the little sticky wicket things? What are those? I don't know what the wickets are for. So I think I do know this. So it's almost like, <laughs> look, <I'm>, moment of <laughs> moment of butch. Um, <laughs> So the, so the wicket, so a sticky wicket, you hear that term in England a lot. So if it's a sticky wicket, um, it's something that's difficult, right? Right. So you take two uh, wooden poles, like that go up to maybe your knee or so. You jam them in the ground, and they're maybe six inches apart. And between them, you balance a wicket, which is almost like... Picture like a, a God, it's, it's almost like a spinning top, how it has, like it comes to a point, but put okay. two tops together so that there's two points at either end. Oh, okay. sounds like a plan to me, two tops together, go oh, for it. Oh, okay, that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> different podcast. But anyway, so it's like, a, it's basically like a piece of wood that has like tapered ends so that the there's something in the middle, but the two ends touch the, the, the sticks that are driven into the ground. Okay. So that they're kind of precariously perched there. Alliteration. Um, so if the ball from the other team is thrown towards the wicket, or towards the, uh, the, the batter, I guess, the cricket batter, and the guy or girl doesn't hit it, they're trying to dislodge the wicket from those two sticks. And that's when it, when it falls. That means, like, that person is out. So it's almost like baseball with the ball going over the home plate and maybe they're swinging four times or whatever it is and they're out if you get the opposing team's wicket to fall from these two pieces of wood then that team is out and i guess you switch maybe like baseball where now your team is the one batting does that make sense I had never heard that part of cricket before whatsoever. Yeah, I might I have made that, it up. I don't know. I know that there's a thing called leg before wicket. You know, Miss Lovelock complains that that was the reason she got out and she didn't think she was, which I think is a little bit like offsides maybe. The British people are very frustrated at us Americans trying right. to explain. I don't know. Right. But anyway. So we, what I think we we'll to... do for, for the people who are angry at us, we will make a YouTube. No, we'll go on YouTube and find... The American's Guide intro, to Playing Intro cricket. to Cricket to Dummies 101. Yeah. Or let's get Sharon Shreslecki to call in and that, explain cricket It's to all us. about the twista, you know. <laughs> the flipper. The flipper. The, no, the flipper. So uh, we'll post something on Facebook. So so please save your one-star reviews on iTunes and, <laughs> and all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, we get another great tender and tender bottom joke because <laughs> about the team's, you know, great tender isn't big enough to have a team of their own. So uh, someone's going to play for tender bottom. It happens. And then, it happens to the best of us. And then we see the staff starting to prepare the pitch, right? There's, they're taking a huge roller to flatten oh the grass. Oh, my God. And uh, Miss Lovelock is painting the lines, and mm-hmm. Mr. Moulter and Mrs. Slickham are raising the tent. Because, of course, there has to be a marquee where they're going to serve uh, Devonshire tea and finger Lovely sandwiches. Lovely savouries and cucumber sandwiches and tea and scones and clotted cream and things. Right. I think this – so it's interesting that with our cool conversation with Joanne Hayward, we learned that all of those exterior shots were filmed first in the countryside. Yep. And then everyone went to London to um, the BBC Centre, which is now a bunch of condos. 
I think one of our listeners is has, has a gym in the basement of that building. Right. Right. That's right. Where the uh, John Inman Museum should go. Um, so it's cool to know that those scenes were filmed first, and then the later scenes were filmed later. And I guess they had to make sure everyone had the same clothes on and continuity and stuff. But I think the scene where they're putting up the giant tent is actually another thing where I burst out laughing. Um, yeah. I mean, Mr. Moulter and Ms. Slocum, Mrs. Slocum, looking Put like the they're getting it the on. the poles in the olds. Poles in the olds. Did you, did, your, did you get yours in? Oh, congratulations. Let me help you with yours now. Like, right. what? <laughs> That's crazy section. And, of course, everyone's, like, kind of looking away, and then the tent falls down on them, and then you can see their outline under the tent. Uh, I will say what's really sweet, I, I, I think it was a beautiful shot. There's a scene where everyone's trying to pull the tent ropes to pull the – it's almost like a – Raising the big top. Like a barnyard. Barn yeah, 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 yeah. And it was cute because um, another thing that was so cute, um, Molly Sugden as Mrs. Slocum and, and two other people are pulling this lawn, um, what would you call it? The, like The roller. The roller. That's, that's just the craziest idea that you smush the grass all around with this giant heavy thing to make it look right for cricket. And... Um, of course, Captain P. Uh, no, excuse me, Mister Rumbold is directing them. He's not doing anything. But right, poor not doing Mrs. any Slocum manual labor. Is she says, "I feel like a cart horse because she's <laughs> wearing her lovely church dress, pulling this giant, giant thing." And then when they when the camera changes to focus on her, they put on this like tuba music, like boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Oh my God! Anyway, so so of course, Mr. Humphreys starts pulling as well, and you know everyone's working except Mr. Rumbold, and it's so cute because Flora Bennett, hello Flora Bennett, if you listen, um, as uh, Mavis, she runs up to Mr. Humphreys and helps him because she said, "Mr. Hum- Mr. Humphreys, you've worked too hard today," or whatever. And it's right. so cute how sweet they are. And then um, if you go to the scene in on BritBox, it's about eleven and a half minutes into the episode. Pause. Who's counting? Who's, who's counting? Because I think this was the most beautifully shot scene in the entire series. It's, it's, it's got like this perspective of where uh, John Inman and uh, Flair Bennett are standing there in the foreground. And in the background is like the beautiful Gloucester background with all green. And it's a lovely day. It's a rare thing in England to have such a beautifully mm-hmm. lit day in yep. the sunshine. Um, John Inman's wearing this really 90s, like, black and white and yellow shirt, uh, sweater, and she's got her, like, country girl outfit on. It was just a beautiful shot, and I just kind of wanted to celebrate it a little bit. I don't know. Like, <laughs> if you watch the episode, you'll know what I mean. Like, when, it's a very short scene, but it's really beautiful, really nice. You seem to have gotten yourself really worked up over this. Maybe we should go down to the I need. I need something to cool so down. This, it's down. The camera work's just too much for me. So why don't we head to the canteen? We'll see which of our unpaid interns are down there to make us up something. So we'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? 
or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Doesn't Matter merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Okay, so Mr. Brandon, what did you find in the marquee to eat? Well, you know, um, it's funny because Joanne Haywood must have forgotten because uh, I, I, she had a Elvis Presley Graceland uh, gift shop bag that she must have left <laughs> in the in the uh, canteen down those you know 17th century moist uh, stairs that we have, uh, very humid. Um, but she had an official Elvis Presley peanut butter and banana sandwich that Ooh. she must have forgotten. So I'm sorry, Joanne, but I ate that, so it was delicious. Thank you very much. Have you ever had an Elvis sandwich before? Peanut butter, banana, and bacon? Um, not that, but we've, um, back, uh, back home in Arkansas, I think we had um, peanut butter and fluff... Uh, Fluffernutter. Fluffernutter. Yeah. It's peanut butter and, like, this very artificial, like, marshmallow fluff stuff from a jar on yeah. toasted bread with butter. It's not the healthiest thing, but it damn it tastes good. Right. So I did try an Elvis sandwich a couple of years ago, and it wasn't that great. How dare you? I mean, How I love you? all of the ingredients. You know, peanut butter, bananas, bacon, and toasted bread, all apart are delicious. But together, the combination just wasn't right. I know, know. something that's not right, and it's not that sandwich. But <laughs> anyway. So Mavis is making food for the, <laughs> the, the tea that's going to be served in the middle of cricket. Because it's British, of course you're going to have tea yes, in the middle of the marquee. With the fine china and everything, and she's making yeah. sandwiches and scones and gingerbread men, etc. And so I was wondering which um, which protocol they would follow for how they take their scones because they're all from London. The staff is all from London, which means they would do it Cornish style, okay. which is jam then cream. But the manor is set out in the West Country, out in Somerset. They yeah. would do Devonshire style, which is cream first, then jam. Okay, so let me break it down here because I think this is crazy or brilliant. I don't know. So what we're talking about is a scone, which is, oh, my God, like a biscuit in the south that's slightly sweet, that is not flaky. It's more firm. It's drier, it's drier than an American biscuit. Yeah. And it's not Not savory. a cookie, a breakfast right. biscuit. Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah. So the, the thing is between the Cornish way, which is London, or Devonshire way, is do you put the jam on first and then the cream second? Or do you put the cream on first and then the jam? Yeah. This, this, this is a big point of contention in British culture, Americans. I don't think you understand the severity. <laughs> and we're not, we're not doing a bit here. This is a real thing. Like this is this is up there with do you put your milk in first or do you put your tea in first? It's a very divisive thing. Do you put your yeah. your rubbish, your trash can under the sink or not under the sink? Yeah. You know? It's it's a it's a regional thing, but it is a it is a point in culture. I mean, for me what <laughs> makes sense to me is to do it the Devonshire way because the clotted cream is a little bit runnier. Then the jam, not much, but a little bit. Okay. So you want that to get a good base, and then you could put the jam on top of that and have that stick. Whereas if you put the jam on first, I feel like the clotted cream would just kind of like drip. 
But what if you put bacon in between them on the scone, between the That's jam? That's not between... allowed at 4 o'clock tea. <sighs> you have to have those little cucumber pickle uh, cucumber sandwiches. I can make that work. That's, I can, and I'm getting hungry. I don't think that... I don't think bacon's allowed. This is not a fry up. We're talking about afternoon tea. I'll just I'm just picturing uh, Onslow saying uh uh what does he say from uh Keeping Up Appearances? He says, Anyone for bacon butty? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So butty. um unanimous, you may uh you may remember from the Facebook pictures that I was recently in London at headquarters. Oh that's right, welcome back. Picture. You just you've just come in, haven't you? <laughs> at Simpsons of Piccadilly, but um I did have, I think, what is my favorite sandwich of all time, and I got to have it for the first time in three years this past week. Um, so if you are in London, uh, please look up Pigling Street, P-I-G-L-I-N-G. Uh, they are a market stall. Um, they're open Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And I usually see them Sundays at Brick Lane. And so what they do is they do a porchetta roll, Mm-hmm. That is roasted with the crackling, and then they top it with pickled carrots and pickled cabbage okay. and gherkin and applesauce and sweet chili sauce, and it's on a soft brioche bun. So you get all five of the fl- flavor profiles. You get sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and and savory. Okay. And you also get a whole bunch of different textures with the soft bread and the tender meat and the crisp crackling and the crunchy <sighs> vegetables. It's just everything all at once, and it's quite the amazing sandwich. So please go get this porchetta roll sandwich if you're in London soon. They've, they've sponsored <laughs> us, you, you right? Were they, for it. they gave you like a 20-quid <laughs> note, right? I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Okay, now I'm just really hungry, so I'm, quite, I'm a little pissed off. But um, <laughs> I'm going to have to have some pork after this, I think. All right, well, welcome back. That's right. I, for, I forgot you were over in Old Blighty. So. Yeah. Welcome back. So uh, back in the kitchen, uh, Mr. Humphreys is helping Mavis make the gingerbread men <laughs> for for the tea. And he's you know carried away. He's not paying attention. He ends up putting all the currants on one gingerbread oh, no. man. A little visual joke. And they're talking about how, you know, that they both know that there's rumors going around, not just at the manor, but in the entire town about them. Oh, boy. And Mavis suggested they get married just to stop people talking. A little foreshadowing Mr. of the non-existent third season, eh? And Mr. Humphreys does, you know, he does a dry spit take. You know, I think that that's the best, the best way to describe it because he's not drinking anything at the time. Yeah. But he, like, you know, he's got his hands in the flour bag because he's dusting the board. And you see there's an eruption of flour uh, when, he, uh, when she suggests this. Um, and he eventually puts her off. He's trying to explain to her that they're quite different and you feel like you're going to get... You know, you're going to get after 12 years, you're going to get the explanation. But he puts it that they're so far apart in age. But he never says exactly. He always just changes the subject. And, of course, the last episode is the one where she says, just think of me as big sis. As your sis, right. So now they're going from, like, a very sibling relationship to let's get married so people won't stop talking about us sharing a bed for warmth. (laughs) I don't know what in the flowers in the attic is going on here, right? Um, but anyway, he, he just he, he doesn't he never says his age and how old he was, but he uses a joke that we saw in season nine. That's right. Goes, I mean, this is a recycled joke from the original series. Yeah, if my life was a train from London to Birmingham, I've just gone past rugby. 
And then it's in the series nine episode, it was if my life, if life was a train ride from London to Manchester, I'd just gone through Birmingham. Okay. So I'm surprised you didn't say, uh, based in the mileage between London and uh, Birmingham, rugby is approximately so. so therefore, well, that would mean you know we already we already did that in season nine. Go back, <laughs> go back to, and listen to the episode. <laughs> listen to it then. Series nine, episode six, lost and found. Lost and found. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing that he probably had to translate it for this country girl that might not know the geography of the entire UK. But then he said something like, uh, no, then, then uh, Mavis said, well, I still want to be there for you when you go past the bales. Uh, that's true. Do you remember what that was? The bales. What, is that like the little town just before Birmingham, maybe? I don't think that, that I don't think it's a town. I think it's like the, um, like the points on the railroad track like before you stop at the station. Oh, interesting. But it was such a cute... It's a cute scene. Of course, all of the scenes with John Inman and and Fleur Bennett are really cute um, because it's so innocent and flirty and he's prime Mr. Humphreys in these scenes, I think. Um, I loved how he said that, oh, uh, I used to make these with my mother, but she made me stop because she didn't like where I put the raisins. (laughs) I put the currants. With the currants, yes. Oh, my God. Um, Classic, classic Elton, uh, Elton John. Classic John Inman <laughs> and Elton John, really. There's a lot of crossover, especially in that, yeah. that uh, green LeMay suit from the disco. But anyway. Um, back in the lobby slash lounge, um, Captain Peacock is doing a crossword puzzle. And this is another revisited bit where he tries to show off that he does the times mm. in ink, right? And so he's, you know, Miss Lovelock is painting her nails. Yeah. And he's like, what are carrier for baseball players? Seven letters. And without a beat, Miss Lovick is like, pitcher, duh. Pitcher. Right? Yeah. Right? Um, Mr. Thorpe and Miss Prescott, the solicitors um, from back from London who manage the, um, the, the, the trust, inexplicably make a visit because, oh, they've got some papers to sign. They're going to liquidate all the assets in the Rangoon Gas Mantler Company because um, <laughs> it's becoming a massage parlor. Oh, my God. This is weird like to see them just suddenly show up because they were the very first people on the very first episode of Are You Being Served Again, Grace and Favor. Um, I rewatched it recently, and it's interesting because as it was Are You Being Served, you'd always see those weird, small, little um, offices with, like, the wood-paneled walls, yep. right? And then the very first episode of Grace and Favor is that wood panel wall, very small, tight space. And you see these two people. And then here they are again. And it's weird to think that, oh, wait, now all the sets are very, very big. The, yep. the grand lobby stage is, is really big. Um, and, yeah, they just kind of walk in and this old guy bumbling around feels a bit like young Mr. Grace. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Right? Yes, you're, you're right. You're right. He does... Um, have a little bit of that of that personality to him, the way that he comes in and approaches, and is a little bit of a philanderer. You know, he he's got an appointment at said massage parlor next week when he goes down to Bangkok. Oh, I and didn't even he, catch he, that. Wow. Okay. Here, here's something that we haven't had to talk about in a while. Uh, is a little bit of cringy casual racism that's going yeah, on. Yeah the uh, the the music they played between the scenes. Yep. Yeah. They did a little bit of, um, of um, uh, is it pan flute or is it marimba? Something. What's the, the Asian word for marimba? Uh, to, to, as a sting to kind of punctuate the joke where Miss Prescott 
is saying the name of their contact in Thailand and is just using nonsense syllables that could sound somewhat sexual, but she's also doing it in a tonal way, which is... Eh, I feel like there's a better way to um, make that joke um, that could have carried on and still have been funny and not cringy 40 years later. Well, you know, this was, what, 1993? This is 2022. Uh, we have gotten pushback about uh, the show on review places that, oh, you guys are too, you know, you can't look at comedy this many years ago. Well, we can. But here's the thing is that <laughs> – so. yeah, Well, we can because to quote Katya and Trixie, it's our show and not yours. Well. Um, but, I mean, Tina Fey is still catching flack for this today because she's – you know, this was just in the news that um, not – there's uh, uh, one of the closing gags in um, Mean Girls, which she wrote and starred in, mm-hmm. has some of this cute casual race – anti-Asian racism – that's built in around poking fun at the the language and the, the the language is being total language, and she's still up to it today. She's still making similar jokes today, and again, I think there's a way to find humor in that that's not cringy. I don't know exactly what it is off the top of my head, but be better, do better. Yeah, it's it's not saying um, you know it's not like if Mr. Jeff and I were Queen. Uh, yeah. We would ban things, and I think we we, we no. in fact, if you are a new listener, go back and listen to the episode we had about roots, which talks a lot about blackface and what does it mean and why is it bad no. and da da da. And I think, as I recall, I hope I'm not eating my words. Um, we decided that we shouldn't ban the episode, mm-hmm. um, but we should talk yeah. about why it's bad. You know, and there are a lot of comedians. Uh, who have jokes that they don't do anymore, and they actually talk about it in their act. And that's good, you know, because as people learn that actually that's quite insensitive and kind of racist, and maybe you just don't make that joke, well, 2022 is a different year than 1993. And uh, so there you go. And there's plenty of ways to do off-color humor and and comedy about dangerous subjects. And I, you know, I'm a firm believer that one of the ways that societies or different cross sections of societies can come together is being able to laugh at difficult topics. And there's a way to make it funny without putting anyone at risk or putting any any one person or any one group of people as the target of the joke. If you make the difficult topic like the sea story in your joke then you can make it as funny as you want. You could be as raucous and as bombastic as you want. But just saying, oh, we're going to do what basically boils down to a Ching Chong joke. Like, you know, let's call it what it is. Yeah. It's, you can do better. You know, in um, people who write music and, or people who do television and make jokes and things, you know, in 20 years' time, or let's say um, 1993, that's seven. So in 30 years' time, which yep. is the same amount of time difference between when this aired and today, in 30 years' time, if um, we realize in 30 years that jokes that we made about this person or this this country or this whatever that no one really thinks is kind of not the best thing to say today, if in 30 years, like, everyone realized, actually, we probably shouldn't make fun of, I don't know, 
people who are, are overweight or whatever. I would hope that they would still enjoy comedy from today, but think uh, maybe, yeah, with they, that joke that they made back then about overweight people or whatever the, the group is, mm -hmm. maybe we should have done that differently and we're not going to do it going forward. So we love already being served. We love grace and favor. Um, but it's, you know, that's our prerogative because we just like to bring it out. And we are, as we always say in every episode, Black Lives Matter. And we've done a lot of episodes when that definitely came up in the news and mm -hmm. in our consciousness. So, you know, that's a little treatise about <laughs> uh, when we see things in, that are kind of cringy, we do, bring up, we do bring it up and talk about it. So, yeah. there we go. All right, let's get back to the episode. Well, that's a lovely idea. Um, so we meet the uh, we meet the three guys who are going to be rounding out the Millstone team, Alfie, Dick, and Jesse. And then we meet a f their fourth mate, who is Malcolm, <laughs> who's going to be playing for Tenderbottom. He's not going to be playing for Millstone. No. So he, he's played by Andrew Barkley, and he went on to voice Trevor, the bulldog, on the show Pets. So now, have you ever seen Pets? Nope. Okay. So Pets is a live puppet show. Okay. Um, so, like, like the Muppets is okay, right. Okay. Um, but it's about these four animals, and just like they're just the filthiest, like X-rated comedy <laughs> that you you see. It's like dark, dark British humor. Okay. Um, if you've ever seen what? Oh, what was that special for? There was some Red Nose Day special or Children in Need or something where they got all the pets to sing. Um, we are the world. Oh God! And they got like all of like the Mr. Blobby and like Basil Brush and all of like the ch those children and the four pets were there uh, as well, which was which was pretty uh, pretty cute. So if you can find pets, go check out an episode. It's worth watching. And no, this is not going to be the sequel to our podcast. Just being focused on pets. <laughs> anyway, back to Malcolm. He says he hid a note for Mavis under our rock. Huh? It seems that he has had a crush on her. They've had some kind of relationship in the past. And she puts him off. She goes, I'm, I want nothing to do with you. You tell him, Mr. Humphreys. So <laughs> she's calling on Mr. Humphreys as her big brother slash the person she's sharing a bed with. Right, yeah. Who makes an instant enemy in Malcolm. Oh, no. Which is going to be t taken out on the cricket pitch. And I love how she calls him Malcolm Heathcliff. Like Malcolm Heathcliff. That, that right. middle name is like they're familiar. You know, they know who the, these these people are. Yeah. Well, they probably went to school together. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a small village. You know. Oh, well. um, so they start to play, and then we get a lot of business around the game. Right. Um, Moltered starts off. He's the bowler, and his back is turned to us. And he's making all of these obscene gestures, like he's got his hand in his pocket and he's touching himself, but he's actually shining the ball, yeah. etc. And he does his little hobbly walk over as he runs and you know throws the ball. Nothing. Magda Zubanski, aka Sharon Strzelecki, would be so upset from Kath and Kim, cause, yeah, right, because it's terrible. It's really cute because um, Billy Burden, I think he passed away maybe like two or three years after filming the series. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting going back to the Joanne Hayward, um, hey, Joanne Haywood, excuse me, conversation. There were a lot of jokes that they couldn't make in 1992, 93, that they could yeah. in the 70s. But this was a joke that was right up to the line of what they could probably get away with. It looked like yeah. he was masturbating 
on the field, Mr. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Moulter. So, right. wow, they still, they still had it, let me tell you. And uh, so does he, running, apparently. <laughs> he's running between the creases and his pants fall down. <laughs> You know, as we get that kind of basic And he joke. has a hard hit. He, he falls right on his shoulder. Like, he, yeah. boom. Yeah. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of business about uh, Mrs. Slocum hitting the ball and them running back and forth with Mr. Humphreys, and she does a dive. Oh, my God. To kind of score, you know, to make sure that she scores a run. Because, uh, you know, the rule is as long as your bat touches inside the crease. Yeah. Then it counts. Like that's what keeps you. So it's like out it's like diving out. for home run as the ball is coming towards you, and it was almost obviously a stunt double. But you know her character diving because that was so important. Um, I love the scene where she was being the catcher. I guess we would say where she has those big knee pad, leg pad things, and her yeah, legs I don't were too. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, and her legs were like her legs were apart, like and, and, and like the uh, umpire was like Mrs. Slocum, and she kind of had to. Be more ladylike. <laughs> and then Mr. Humphreys had the super short shorts on. Oh, yes, my God. Of course he did, right? Uh, I love it. So, in the in the end, Mr. Humphreys is at bat. He hits the ball. It knocks out Malcolm. Yay. He and Mrs. Slocum go for runs, and they win the game, and Millstone Manor wins the, uh, wins the match. Yippee! But then, of course, at the end, instead of Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Humphreys are dashing back and forth getting, getting uh, runs... And then Mrs. Slocum says, we can stop running. And then, of course, the episode ends by Mr. Humphrey saying, Mrs. Slocum, I've just started to run or something. And he runs away because Malcolm right. is about to Malcolm's gonna wake come up back and, and go beat him go, up. Go but, him, there, yeah. you know, the, 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 the rugby thing must have been a dream. Rugby. I keep saying rugby. The cricket thing must have been a dream to film because it looks very, very nice. Miss um, Slocum, uh, no, excuse me, Mrs. Brahms, Miss Brahms gets that hat from the lesbian magistrate as a little gift. And that was kind of funny. Um, You know, they also play cricket in uh, Downton Abbey, which looks very refined. Everyone wears lovely sweaters and everything's in white. And um, it makes me curious about uh, uh, cricket. You know, I wonder if I can find a cricket pitch somewhere around here. And I don't know. It's really big. It's, It's the number one sport in India, isn't it? It's the number one sport in a lot of Commonwealth countries. Yeah. I don't know how big it is in northern Mississippi, but I guess well, we'll find maybe out. Maybe the That Does Suit Madam northern Mississippi cricket team is, is <laughs> soon to come to the area, so stay tuned. So what are we doing next week, Mr. Mr. Jeff? So I, I talk a lot about continuity, right? And, you know, yes, where you I, I, asked Ms. Haywood last, I asked Ms. Haywood last week, what happened to Mrs. Peacock? What yes. happened to Mrs. Rumbold? You know, what, they never got explained. One of the great mysteries that of um, the show so far is <laughs> whatever happened to Mr. Slocum. We just know he was t- woken up and taken by the fraud squad one oh, day. Yeah. But next week, Mrs. Slocum's long-lost husband returns. What? He pays an unexpected visit after an absence of 42 years. Does he actually show up or just they talk about it? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out next week. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's exciting. So, Mr. Brandon, if our unanimous want to give us more information about cricket or about late-night UK talk shows (laughs) or about Devonshire tea. The pressing questions of the day. How can they get in touch with us? Well, you can get in touch with us here on Facebook. On Twitter, does suit madam. Uh, you can write us an email at that does suit madam with an e 
at gmail.com. You can call us at the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And uh, if you want to send us a voicemail and you are not in North America and you don't want to spend 100 bucks on an international call, just use your iPhone or something and make a voice memo recording of you saying your message and then email it to us. That works too. And you can also throw us a few uh, shekels by grabbing some merchandise at the Bargain Basement Shop at imfree.threadless.com. And with that, Mr. Jeff, as we say every episode, you've all done very well. Bye, Madamus. That does suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? A bowler shall be allowed to change ends as often as desired, provided he does not bowl two overs consecutively, nor bowl parts of each of two consecutive overs in the same ends. Quite right.